Welcome to Help from Future Self. What's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I have my Keyforge friend with me today. Sydney, what is going on? Not much. Things are pretty good over here. Yes, and they're only going to get better because guess what, folks? We are continuing on with our throwback episodes, taking a look at Bouncing Death Quark and the sage advice they have given us to date. And does it hold up in the present game state? Now, we're about to go on a journey which is going to be over a few episodes. Instead of doing it the way they did, which is one per one episode, we decide to pair a couple of these together just to make it a more fluid episode and have that little bit of comparison that can be made. So we're, of course, talking about the house roles, and we're going to finish these off with some houses that actually did not exist when they originally made this, so we can give our own kind of insight into this idea. So we decided to pair for the first episode Sanctum and Brobnar because they are somewhat similar in some ways and create just a really interesting idea. So for those of you who are not familiar with these house roll episodes that Bouncing Death Quark did, Bouncing Death Quark used these episodes to define a house with the role of being either your main house, your burst house, or a support house. And I think before we really get into the individual house roles, uh, Sydney, we need to kind of talk about the concept of having your houses within an Archon card defined as a main burst and support. Do you agree with that concept? I think it is absolutely genius because you do really want to give roles to your three houses because if you try and have more than one fit into more than one of these roles, your deck isn't going to be cohesive. So I think that they just, they worded it perfectly and it's definitely part of most of the decks I play. Okay. See, I, I disagree and agree all at the same time because I feel some decks can have two of one, but be lacking another. So when I say that, I mean, almost every deck will, will fall into a main house category. And you could have a support house. I feel like the burst house is where it cannot always be there. And sometimes even the support aspect may not be there. Um, I, I definitely think there is always or generally always a main house, if not two, that can be called. But sometimes the burst or support may be lacking in a house. Sure, I can totally see that. I think I I lean towards these being pretty standard simply because if I if I look at my my stats from TCO but in general, I will usually call one house in a game of Keyforge much more than the other two and usually the other two are either to pull something off in a burst situation or get them out of my hand because I finally have those cards and I need to either get rid of them mm-hmm. or their their use is lower than the other cards. I think that support really spans a broad range of things a house can do, but also yeah. is definitely not a main or burst. And, and I guess if I came upon a situation where I was calling multiple houses, two or three regularly and in even amounts, they, they could be both main houses. I actually found in general for the game of Keyforge that if you're calling all your houses like evenly, 
your deck is probably not winning. You, you should be leaning into one or two of the houses more so than another. And with that being said, I also want to clarify the concept of main burst and support. And they really lean into what we talked about last episode with that infrastructure concept. That is most likely going to be your main house. It's going to have six or more creatures, those, those characteristics. And then the burst aspect is also going to not fall in. When you hear burst, you think ember, but it does not always mean generating ember. It can mm-hmm. actually mean you're bursting to actually um, deal with something else. So it could be ember control, it could be creature control, but you're doing a burst to a stat that exists within the game. So a lot of times it's card ember draw control, too. Yep, can be card draw. It's it's something you're doing in a moment, and it doesn't have to do with Ember necessarily, although that is an obvious one to choose for that burst concept, which I thought was very interesting. And then support is kind of defined as... Um, this one I thought was really interesting because when I think of support, I don't think I viewed it just on the, the word support the same way that they kind of defined it. Would you agree? I, I really did feel that they... They supplied a definition that made me think of all the support houses that I've ever used, but I'm really interested to see what you think because you might be right too. Well, I found they used it, their their definition of support was like healing a lot, which is something I don't hold a lot of credence to in Keyforge. Creatures, like they did a lot of, of support means keeping your creatures happy, keeping them either on the board or just doing what they're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. Where I considered support being more like they would help do things like it could be a disruption support. So you're 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 supporting your other houses by disrupting your your opponent from doing things, and therefore it allowed your other houses to have a little bit more weight because they were hindered in what they're doing. Like I would say, being able to stun your opponent's board is a support aspect because it's slowing them down. And then also the they they spoke on the concept of Omni existing Mm. being very much a support thing because you could have artifacts that you could call under any house and by playing them during those turns that you weren't on your main houses, you created that support for when you came back to your main house. And I really loved that aspect. Like the whole discussion about these Omni cards that existed back in the day, I thought, I'm like, you know what? This is really cool and I really like this idea of support. I agree. I think it was super fun, like watching them explore concepts for the first time that, you know, are like second nature to Mm -hmm. to you and I at this point. But yeah, no, I I didn't think about that with support. Keeping the opponent unable to do certain things that lets your main and burst house do their things actually makes a lot of sense. Mm -hmm. So let's get into it now. Um, Which house would you like to lead with, Sydney? So I really liked what they said about Sanctum, but I think that Brobnar sets the scene for Sanctum because Brobnar Brobnar has a lot of what Sanctum does better. Okay, perfect. I love it. Um, So with that being said, Brobnar they defined as a main house that you got tricked into using (laughs) the wrong way. That's a big way they talked about it. Mm -hmm. And I would say that when this was recorded, you had Coda Brobnar and not the other two sets with Brobnar. And I think that Brobnar became much worse as it went on and the way they defined it became less able. 
so to speak. Sure. Although I will say in Worlds Collide, I think the concept I'm about to speak on right now is much more relevant, and I think people don't think about it as a result. Hmm. And that is you should be fighting far less and reaping far, far more, more. Yes. because your creatures are bigger than your opponents and will last longer. I completely agree. One of the things they talked about in Brabnar being a main house is that like the, a five power creature really isn't going to attack something else, survive to do much more attacking. Like the, Mm -hmm. even like the, the, I think troll was the one that they mentioned that has like maybe two fights in it. But even Mm -hmm. then it's not going to do much after like you have to reap for troll to heal. And so it's, it's something that having a lot of creatures on the board is much more of a reap generation than it is a keep your other like board control situation. I totally agree with you. I mean, I didn't, I really didn't think of it. Like Brobnar's identity is to fight. Like the game designers created everything to fight. And what you're talking about, the five power is talking about, uh, they mentioned headhunter as the biggest like red herring in the game because it says fight, gain an ember. But the truth is you're only fighting one time and gaining one ember, whereas opposed to you could reap and still gain the ember and have it around longer. Obviously an elusive situation, if you're planning to do something else, creates a different scenario. But I found it very interesting that you need to think about your Brobnar team as your reap machine that is going to be very hard to deal with. And then you can bring in other things once you consider Brobnar as a burst house. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Brobnar as a burst house has a lot of amazing things that honestly I would say existed far more in Coda than they do up into present day. Like the fact that you had loot the bodies, you had the great war chest combo, you had looter goblin, it promoted the ember generation from fighting so much greater. And you could just burst these huge, like you could burst fighting for a turn with things like follow the leader. You also had war song and then not to mention ganger chieftain and gauntlet of commands. Those things could provide that burst of fighting and getting ember all at the same time that you just don't see the same way like you did have components of that like i believe war chest still existed i know it did in fact in aoa but the aoa brobnar created things in a much different way like the burst was almost like a big play burst with the ganger knot combo mm-hmm. and then you had obviously the different ways of ready and fighting with like some war grumpish shenanigans and then there was just, I don't know, it just brought, I, I feel like I appreciate Brobnar and Coda much more after listening to this episode than I did before. And then obviously we're going to talk about Worlds Clyde Brobnar. It just was just such a letdown. <laughs> it, it just kept going further and further away from the identity that Coda established. And I, and I really don't understand why looking back now. I think that's something that I I also got the nostalgia for Coda Brobnar listening to them because it really was so good. And the disparity between the Coda Brobnar and Worlds Collide Brobnar was probably one of the largest of all of the houses. Like Shadows yeah. kind of went downhill over time and like other houses may not have gotten better or just you know, plateaued, but like the, the downhill of Brobnar, like it lost its ability to be like, I think it actually like stuck more strongly into main house. And I only say that because its ability to burst and support 
disappeared. And so the yeah. only thing it was really good for was sitting on the board and reaping. So the the versatility of Brobnar just went downhill over time. Totally. And I mean, that board infrastructure that existed in AOA, I feel like is not utilized enough because if anything in AOA, the concept of them being big bodies on the board that are harder to deal with became even greater. Mm. Like there was bigger creatures. You had more creatures like that. And then you had ways of, of restoring them. Like aside from gang or not, you also had drum or not could literally take anything that had damage and just put it back to your hand and drop it down again and reset that big body. Like all the work your opponent put into getting incremental damage was just erased. Right. So I, that is something I really want to look at is the ability to use Brobnar as a infrastructure board in AOA and to a degree in Worlds Collide as well, but you just don't have the other pieces that really make it sing like Coda did. I mean, they they go in the face of having bodies on the board and reaping with, with like NARP, for example, just the idea that it actually prevents your neighbors from reaping, which means yeah. having multiple Brobnars is bad, but then it's also the opposite of a support house because yep. it's neighbors in other houses are also negatively affected. Like it's simply using this, this, this structure of main burst and support, you can really identify its, its weaknesses over the course of time. Not to mention there's so many five power creatures now if they're not megas. Right. Like if they weren't yes. the mega versions, there's just literally way more five power creatures, which they talked about in BDQ as being basically garbage. Like yeah. the five power Brobnar creatures are actually garbage. They're not what you want. <laughs> Absolutely. I completely agree. So that being said, we've we've gone through like their burst thing, and then their support aspect is definitely the fact that they have stuff like um the burn the stockpile cards, which was there for a couple sets. Uh, you also had the fun things of... Like Mighty Javelin with the, yes. the Omni. Not only did it come with an Amber, but you can deal four to any creature on an Omni. So that is but, ex like exactly what they were talking about. I mean, you could argue that the Brews provide that support because if Brobnar's not your main house, you're going to make something else bigger, which is going to last longer. Mm. But really, when I'm thinking about this now, it didn't really support past Coda. Like all the things we're talking about were Coda cards. Yeah. There's not really any new cards that really provided that support other than, I mean, you could maybe argue the key cheat might makes right. Did yeah. that to a degree. And that's a good but, one too, especially well themed for the house. Yeah. And so, but I mean, it really just wants to be that infrastructure main house at the end of the day as the sets progressed and the burst and support aspects became less pronounced as they were in the coda phase, which I'm really kind of wanting to go look back at some some of the uh, the Coda Brobnar. I think some of the Brobnars too, like they had more lose, like the keyword lose than a lot of the other houses. Right. And like lose is is just a a suck out of the game. It removes Amber from the game. Whereas like steal or capture or like even, exalt is the opposite. Like it just made Amber disappear, and that slows down a game. Totally. So let's move on to Sanctum now, which is similar, but also extremely Better. different. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, if we're going to be honest, these concepts that they talked about in Sanctum, we talk about Brobnar got worse as it went along. Sanctum up until now like legitimately got significantly better in totally. every single aspect. Like there's yes. not a one aspect that did not get better. And it like came with mass mutation and then 
I think Dark Tiding Sanctum is like one of the best houses in that set. I agree. I love what they're doing now. They just built on themselves. Like they're mm-hmm. they're they hold their own against all of these other creatures that are now like having a high powered creature is nothing new in Dark Tidings. And so the fact that like these creatures are staying on the board, they're not just the the sticky creatures that defend. They do so much more. Mm-hmm. Totally. And I mean, they talked about as well how Sanctum provided that really stol- solid infrastructure because not only were they bigger creatures, but they also had armor. So you would need to actually go above and beyond just the standard like damage that goes there. You had to go above armor and then also deal the damage to get to it. So it made it way more difficult for other houses aside from Brobnar essentially, and I guess Dinos now, to really break through. So... That being said, like, we just went crazier and crazier with Sanctum. Like, Sanctum was, <laughs> was honestly, like, probably at its worst in Coda looking now. Because I, I personally really liked AOA Sanctum. I thought it provided a lot of um, a lot of coverage for things that were lacking as a result in other houses. Like, when you saw Sanctum, they, you were never disappointed. And they always had, for the most part, good cards and it and it did do a little bit of everything like there was burst there was support and then you could establish a board not as great as a board establishment infrastructure and all that as coda but you still was it was pretty solid oh yeah totally i think that they their theme followed themselves really really well all the way through to dark tidings but made like a peak in mass mutation with all the mutant hate and i yeah. think that actually gave them a lot more like that they were a a much better house if you focused on them as a main house in mass mutations because you had to build around that concept if you were going to use it whereas a a main house of sanctum from mass mutations isn't really going to affect outside that set as much as within the set totally I would, I would completely agree. And there was just, I feel like there was more armor. And when there wasn't armor, there was really interesting, well, even when there was armor, there's just really interesting aspects. Like the Baldric the Bold, where if you find the most powerful creature before fight, you're getting that great ember generation. And there's ways like you could really abuse that. And then mm-hmm. on top of that, there's also the, oh, I can't remember the name of it. The one that can't be damaged by big creatures. Oh, I totally know the one you're talking about. Everyone knows what we're talking about. So it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's got four power, I think, and no armor, and it's taunt. And it's basically mutants or creatures with power five or higher can't deal it damage. So it's it's a really powerful card because it's protecting things with the taunt. But then it, you can also use it to fight into five power creatures. And if you can get like a mutant bulwark next to it and add that assault, it became really strong. And it just was a great main thing because of the protection it was providing. You now, actually brought up a great point too. Taunt is something that is an excellent aspect of a support house because it really does protect the creatures next to it that can be from a different house. And I know of a very few select sanctum creatures actually give things to all creatures like armor or um, just higher um, higher power. But taunt is something that is is across the board, no matter what goes next to it, is protected. So that's a fantastic aspect of a support house. And sanctum has that in droves. Yes, they are the quintessential support house. And I feel like being knights, it kind of is thematic as well <laughs> for them to support. And I, I feel like it really just came much stronger as we went on in time like you still got cleansing waves coming back which are 
fall into the burst category, obviously, but they also support in terms of like their healing. And then you also had in the support category, the in mass mutations, the font of the eye. Mm. Or is that is that right? Fountain? Is it font of the eye? Font, That's the font one. of the eye. Yeah, so good. Like it's an omni ability, and if a creature got destroyed, you can capture one. And when you get those in multiples in your deck, it's actually dumb. Like you could just <laughs> really stay on top of Amber Control and capturing. And I I really enjoy that card. I think that omni ability is is low key broken in a way, but it's not too powerful, so it's not. It's just you get a lot of value from it. Mm-hmm. I do think there were a handful of cards that that were in Coda that just simply didn't didn't get to see the light of day in in future sets and I hope maybe someday they're brought back but one of my favorites was glorious few and totally. they they mentioned that on the episode but it really it's if your sanctum house is going to be a burst or support house this is this is where you want to be because as a main house you want all of your sanctum creatures on the board you want a lot of sanctum creatures but the fact that this kind of card exists in sanctum allows it to be support and burst. Totally. And then if we're going to move on to the the burst side of Sanctum, I mean, all the things that existed before, like Glorious Few definitely does do it, and we don't have that anymore. But, I mean, the burst potential now is crazy. Like Sanctum just has it all over the place. It's kind of wild. And, and in all the different categories, like Creature Control, Ember Control, you can burst with even Ember because we got back the Strange Ordination, which is essentially the virtuous works but with a tide mechanic attached to it so you get that three ember situation and then you also got the cleansing wave factor and then oath shout of poverty to, still exists i was literally gonna say like <laughs> shout out to oath of poverty like i love that card it is absolutely one of my favorites especially if you have a lot of really crappy artifacts like if you have good mm -hmm. artifacts it's a decision you have to make in the moment but if you have a lot of crappy ones like they're gone yeah, totally. It's it's really, really impressive the way Sanctum has come along. And I don't feel they're overpowered either. They just do things well. I feel the way that th cards get distributed evens out. Because when you look at Sanctum's card by just card by card, it mm -hmm. may seem overpowered. But the way that the algorithm has been distributing those cards, you rarely get it. So it's super OP. It's always just feels good and you're not disappointed with what it brings. Absolutely. I completely agree. Is there anything else you wanted to add with Sanctum within regards to being main burst and support? I think between Brabnar and Sanctum, like another benefit of beefy boards, like if this is your support house, then what that allows is because the sticky nature of the cards, you're, you cycle through your your other cards faster. So you, you might get to your burst cards faster, your main cards faster, if your support house really just stays on the board and doesn't cycle through your deck. Mm -hmm. Good points. Very good points. So we cannot end an episode of Help from Future Self without the titular segment. We call this one Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. And I'm coming at you with one that is kind of relevant because of us looking back on these Bouncing Death Quark episodes and that we're getting to hear about certain aspects of Call of the Archons. And for me, it's just Brobnar. Like, I really, <laughs> really want to go back and visit those Brobnar because I have, I think, a bunch of decks that I haven't really looked into. And I want to find those crazy infrastructure 
decks that also potentially have the burst quality in them as well. So those lots of creatures with lots of loot, the bodies, and just the war chest, things like that. I really want to try and find those decks and revisit them because I don't have a good recollection of playing them and just hearing them being spoken about on the podcast has made me nostalgic to try and give those a go again. So uh, I'm going to challenge everyone else out there too. Like if you haven't visited your old Brobnar, take a look at Coda Brobnar again. I think it was very underrated. Give it some love. Exactly. (laughs) So you can find us on Twitter and of course on our Discord at HFFS Podcast, as well as on our Discord. You can find a link in the show notes to join that. It's really popping right now and people are loving talking about these BDQ episodes. So hop on in there and let us know your two cents on how these have progressed and how you're enjoying them. And if you wish to reach out to me personally, you can find me on Discord as Boulevard Blake number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake number sign 3840. Sydney, where can people find you? I am on TCO and Discord as SC Steel. Fantastic. And you can catch us next week continuing on these house roll discussions. We won't tell you which houses we're going to be talking about next week, but be sure it will be a great conversation like this one was. Until then, friends, stay fortunate.